you know that there is more on the inside of the human body than just a skeleton? Today's book is a compelling and uncharacteristically fun guide to our incomprehensibly complex anatomies. This is The Body, A Guide for Occupants by Bill Bryson. And this is The Book Pile, a podcast about the best of books and the worst of books. If this is your first time to the podcast, welcome, and may we suggest checking out our back catalog of over 170 episodes with as many books, and most of which include my co-host, David Vance, but not today. I'm Kellen Erskine. I'm a comic, a father, and the proud owner of 1,000 square feet of lung tissue. As usual, Dave is out this week stealing license plate registration stickers, but he'll be back next week when we cover the book, Excellent Advice for Living, which is a book mostly full of freshly written wisdom, sprinkled with a few duds, so that'll just be a fun one all around. Uh, One of my favorite legit quotes from the book, though, is, quote, see that old person taking forever in line? That is the future you. Have patience. All right, real quick before we get to the book today, uh, if you want to see me live, I'm going to be in Grass Valley, California, May 18th. Uh, then Sunnyvale, California, Rooster Tea Feathers, May 30th through June 2nd. Um, then I'm going to be in Winnipeg, Canada at Rumors Comedy Club, June 11th through the 15th. Uh, I also hope that I'll be able to announce soon uh, the night of May 3rd, uh, in which I will likely be in northern Los Angeles. So stay tuned for that, as well as uh, other dates around the country coming soon. Uh, if today's book ends up sounding interesting to you, uh, maybe consider buying it using the link to our episode description. That way you get the book and support the podcast. It's available in paperback, hardback, Kindle, or for free on Audible if you're a first-time subscriber, which is personally my favorite way to get through books, especially these nonfiction ones. And to start us off today, just a little about the author, Bill Bryson, from what I scraped together on Wikipedia. Uh, He was born in Des Moines, Iowa, but he holds a dual citizenship with uh, the United Kingdom. He's not a scientist, and maybe that's to his credit, as he doesn't write like one. He, uh, He worked for years as a journalist, and maybe that's why this book reads so much easier than your average anatomy textbook that you paid $130 for in college. It is consistently interesting and fun, and he throws in these little comparisons that give meaning and context to the often complex and abstract information uh, that he shares about our innards. And so, without further ado, uh, I'm going to first read some of my favorite excerpts that exhibit his delightful writing style. And then I'll just list off a bunch of my favorite fun facts from the book. But just also know that I'm hardly scratching the surface here. And if any of this sounds compelling to you, I do highly recommend this book because it is just a huge collection of gems uh, like the following. Quote, the most extraordinary thing in the universe is inside your head. You could travel through every inch of outer space and very possibly nowhere find anything as marvelous and complex and high-functioning as the three pounds of spongy mass between your ears. <laughs> I just love how playful this is. And uh, this juxtaposition of both revering the human brain as the most incredible thing in existence, but at the same time sort of downplaying it by affectionately calling it a spongy mass. <laughs> 
Uh, here's another. We all know that if we consume too much beer and cake and pizza and cheeseburgers and all the other things that make life, frankly, worth living, we will add pounds to our bodies because we've taken in too many calories. But what exactly are these little numerical oddments that are so keen to make us round and wobbly? And he goes on to answer that in uh, in that chapter. But I, again, I just, just love how whimsical he makes anatomy. How about this? Every hour, your heart dispenses around 70 gallons of blood. That's 1,680 gallons in a day. More gallons push through you in a day than you are likely to put in your car in a year. The heart is a truly remarkable implement. It just doesn't care about your love life. (laughs) Here's another. And this is just a wonderful illustration of how incomprehensible our body's systems are. Every second of every day, your body undertakes a literally unquantifiable number of tasks. In the second or so since you started this sentence, your body has made a million red blood cells. They are already speeding around you, coursing through your veins, keeping you alive. Each of those red blood cells will rattle around you about 150,000 times, repeatedly delivering oxygen to your cells, and then battered and useless, will present itself to other cells to be quietly killed off for the greater good of you. Throughout the book, he uses this fun technique of anthropomorphizing elements of the body, which is just so fun. And it also sort of gives me a sense of respect for those things, which I never felt in in this way before. I've never felt bad for my own cells before. Here's another example of that, albeit less adorable. Quote, if you gathered all the microbes on Earth into a pile and all the other animal life in another, the microbe heap would be 25 times greater than the animal one. Make no mistake, this is a planet of microbes. We are here at their pleasure. They don't need us at all. We'd be dead in a day without them. In this case, he's making microbes out to be sort of indifferent villains, letting us live here on Earth for the moment. And here's uh, some more about those little guys. You are home to trillions and trillions of tiny living things, and they do you a surprising amount of good. They provide you with about 10% of your calories by breaking down foods that you couldn't otherwise make use of, and in the process, extract beneficial nutrients like vitamins B2 and B12 and folic acid, Humans produce 20 digestive enzymes, which is a pretty respectable number in the animal world, but bacteria produce 10,000, end quote. And I have to say, that was pretty humbling for me because I used to brag about how many enzymes I had. How about this? If you're an averagely sized adult, you will have roughly 20 square feet of skin, but about a thousand square feet of lung tissue containing about 1,500 miles of airways. Without that intricate packaging, we might have to be like kelp, hundreds of feet long, but with all the cells very near the surface to facilitate oxygen exchange. So I just hope that I don't have nightmares where I have to see what I just imagined while reading that. And here's one last one before we get to some general fun facts. He says, take a deep breath. 
You probably suppose that you are filling your lungs with rich, life-giving oxygen. Actually, not really. 80% of the air you breathe is nitrogen, and it doesn't even interact with other elements. When you take a breath, the nitrogen in the air goes into your lungs and straight back out again, like an absent-minded shopper who has wandered into the wrong store. (laughs) All right, here's some quick fun facts. Uh, The first few aren't quotes, uh, just some info I collected from the book. Uh, When a child blows the candles out, it spreads bacteria across that birthday cake by a factor of 1,400%. So to everyone else at that party, it's like, happy birthday. Now you will all have less of them. It's also why now I just let the candles burn all the way down. Like I make a wish and then I wait 17 minutes. How about this? We secrete about five cups of water a day. And the most interesting part of that is how much I hate the word secrete. A zebrafish can regrow damaged heart tissue, and many birds can regrow damaged inner ear tissue. And we can't do either of those, which doesn't seem fair. And I don't feel quite so bad eating those animals. Uh, If you're unfamiliar with the story of penicillin, I'm not going to tell it to you. That's your fault. No, but in a nutshell, it was developed by accident in a lab when someone discovered a moldy Petri dish containing the new helpful substance. But the side of that story that I never heard until this book was that after that historic sample was used, they weren't able to synthesize it, and so they ran out. Then it became sort of this global penicillin race in which a lab in the United States sort of won, and that's where he continues the story. Quote, two years after testing had begun, a lab assistant in Peoria named Mary Hunt brought in a cantaloupe from a local grocery store. It had a pretty golden mold growing on it, she recalled later. That mold proved to be 200 times more potent than anything previously tested. The name and location of the store where Mary Hunt shopped are now forgotten, and the historic cantaloupe itself was not preserved. After the mold was scraped off, it was cut into pieces and eaten by the staff. But the mold lived on. Every bit of penicillin made since that day is descended from that single random cantaloupe. It's just fascinating, right? And I also feel like we owe some farmer in Illinois a trillion dollars. (laughs) Especially since, listen to this one method they used to administer to fight bacterial infections before that. Quote, before penicillin, the closest thing to a wonder drug that existed was salvarsin. Salvarsin? Developed by the German immunologist Paul Ehrlich in 1910. This substance was effective against only a few things and had a lot of drawbacks. For a start, it was made from arsenic. (laughs) A drawback. So it was toxic and treatment consisted in injecting roughly a pint of solution into the patient's arm once a week for 50 weeks or more. Just just imagine you get infected from scraping yourself on a rose, and for the next year your doctor's like, all right, we'll make sure and come back every week to drink just a little bit of cyanide. This was interesting to me on cartilage. Ben Oliver, Oliveri, 
of the dissecting room at the University of Nottingham Medical School said, quote, cartilage is remarkable. It is many times smoother than glass. It has a friction coefficient five times less than ice. Imagine playing ice hockey on a surface so smooth that the skaters went 16 times as fast. That's cartilage. It's also pretty gross trying to imagine that game. But unlike ice, he continues, it isn't brittle. It doesn't crack under pressure as ice would, and you grow it yourself. It's a living thing. None of this has been equaled in engineering or science. Most of the best technology that exists on Earth is right here inside us, and everybody takes it almost completely for granted. And later on in the book, uh, Bryson, speaking of cartilage uh, in our joints, uh, he says, think of how many shoes you've gone through and you start to appreciate how durable cartilage is. Uh, Here's another fun one, crazy one. Quote, unpacked, you are positively enormous. Your lungs smoothed out would cover a tennis court and the airways within them would stretch nearly from coast to coast. The length of all your blood vessels would take you two and a half times around Earth. The most remarkable part of all is your DNA. He says, or deroxyribonucleic acid. It's like, oh, okay, that DNA. He says, you have a meter of it packed into every cell and so many cells that if you formed all the DNA in your body into a single strand, it would stretch 10 billion miles to beyond Pluto. Think of it. There is enough of you to leave the solar system. You are in the most literal sense, cosmic, end quote. I love that. And by cosmic, I think he means uh, we're like Jafar when he turns into the bad genie at the end of Aladdin. But I don't mean to overexplain what Bryson is getting at. All right. And finally, I wanted to end with what was for me the most motivating passage in his book. Quote, an analysis of 655,000 people in 2012 found that being active for an hour or more a day, speaking of exercise, Active for an hour or more a day after the age of 40 improved life expectancy by 4.2 years. As well as strengthening bones, exercise boosts your immune system, nurtures hormones, lessens the risk of getting diabetes and a number of cancers, improves mood, and even staves off senility. As has been noted many times, there is probably not a single organ or system in the body that doesn't benefit from exercise. If someone invented a pill that could do for us all that a moderate amount of exercise achieves, it would instantly become the most successful drug in history. (laughs) And I do want to develop a pill like this. It would just be a sugar pill, and I would do it by having a store in every city, but I'd advertise it like this. Hey, uh, we've created the miracle drug of all miracle drugs, uh, but we can only sell you one pill a day. And you have to come to our store to get it. And there's no road to get there. So you have to hike up this hill every day to get your pill. (laughs) And if someone caught on like, hey, you're just making me do exercise. I'd be like, well, yeah, this isn't exactly spongy mass surgery. Thank you so much for listening to Just Me this week. Again, if this book sounds interesting to you, click the link to purchase it in the description of this episode. uh, Or check out another Bill Bryson book on another subject. I've read a couple others, and he is always just such a craftsman. Also remember to come back next week when we and Dave cover the book, Excellent Advice for Living. Excellent Advice for Living.